Bridges puts up the three. Long go. Rebound box. Now head over in this direction. Gone to three. We are back better than ever. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to Camp's Corner. Today, we got a very, very special guest who's near and dear to my heart, and I'm very blessed that I was able to even get him on the show. He's currently one of the assistant coaches for the Boston Celtics, who's had an incredible long journey to get to where he is now. A three-time champion at Hendrickson, Gatorade Player of the Year, a star at West Virginia, now pursuing his dream in coaching. Guys, give it up for Joe Mazzula. How you doing, man? How's it going? Great, how are you? I'm good. I'm very appreciative that you could join me here today. Um, so let's get right into it. Um, yeah, cool. Starting off, you know, playing at Hendrickson, uh, you know, winning three state championships, Gatorade Player of the Year. Where did you know exactly where you wanted to go to school? Like after all those offers, what kind of offers were you getting at the time? Um, I was getting like mostly mid-major offers. Um, you know, mm-hmm. at the time, West Virginia um, was on a hot streak as far as Coach Bilan building their culture and their success going to the Elite Eight and the Sweet 16, like the two years before I got there. So, um, you know, it was just kind of a perfect match. It was, I, I thought Beeline was a, still do. He, he's a great coach. And at the same time, I wanted to be a part of something that was uh, growing and be successful. So I uh, worked out and, and spent my five years at West Virginia. That's awesome. Uh, right into your sophomore year, you suffered a brutal shoulder injury. How was that recovering process? Did you think that your, not that your college career was going to be over, or did you think the process was going to be um, quick and, you know, easy to come back from? Yeah, didn't really know what it was at first. Um, right. You know, so we just kind of took it week by week. I know, you know, Coach Huggins was very uh, patient and supportive, and our training staff at West Virginia was, like, tremendous through the whole process. But, you know, as we realized what it was, it was just a matter of um, how I was going to handle it. And um, fortunate enough, the training staff, you know, worked day and night to find the best treatment possible to just kind of relieve some of the pain and uh, to give an opportunity. So I didn't necessarily think it was over. Um, right. but it was just a matter of figuring out the best plan of attack about how, you know, I was still going to be able to be, um, you know, successful and, and efficient on the court. So, you know, really all the credit goes to the training staff that was able to put together the best possible plan and find the best treatment. After, yeah, after that, did it kind of restrict you from your play or was it, um, you know, obviously a slow process, like I said, to get back to full speed? Yeah, it was a little restrictive, just, you know, um, not being able to raise my left arm over right. my head. So everything just kind of had to be uh, below that 90 degrees. And so it was a little restrictive in the weight room. It was restrictive on the court. I wasn't able to shoot anyway, so that wasn't really uh, much of an issue. But, yeah. you know, as, as the, you know, treatment increased and as we started to really understand what it was it became a little bit easier to manage and then you know fortunately it just kind of healed uh, over time which you know I'm grateful for like I said like I wasn't I wasn't old enough to you know see you really play in your college days like I wish I would I know my dad's been following you for you know a while now too playing in the final four what was the like the hype like going into the arena and just experiencing like 
being in a, a final four. Yeah, it was, it was, um, it was great, but I think it was also like a little overwhelming. You know, I always tell people like by the time I got to the game, it was at nine o'clock at night on a Saturday, I believe. By the time I got to the game, I was almost tired, you know, just really? um, the week of media, the week of hype, the week of preparation. Like there's so much that goes into going to a final four. And, you know, now that I'm on the coaching side of it, I kind of feel like Duke had a little bit of an advantage. You know, obviously they were a great team, but they had an advantage over us because they'd been there before. And right, yeah. you know, they probably knew how to handle, um, you know, every day after practice, it was media uh, shooting like these, not commercials, but like these pregame or in-game videos and stuff. And mm-hmm. so by the time the game come, I, I felt exhausted almost, um, you know, so there's definitely something there about you got to prepare for the game, but you also have to prepare for the week uh, as to, you know, the attention that comes with it, the media that comes with it. So like when, um, like when you guys knew you were going to be in the final floor after that, how long was the, until you guys actually played, like you said, um, like the media and all that kind of stuff. So was that, you had like a week to prepare for the game and like that's when we won on Sunday came. night. I think we beat Kentucky Sunday night in Syracuse. Mm-hmm. We flew back to West Virginia Sunday night. And then I believe we left like Tuesday uh, for Indianapolis. So we had, you know, just media all day, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, leading up into it. Just, you know, plus the obvious pressure and the expectation of planning for a great team. And, and so, you know, there's a lot that goes into it. And, you know, if I had a chance to go back, I would have, just yeah. learned how to manage, um, you know, just your emotional and your mental energy better than, than, than I did. But it was still like an unbelievable experience. Like, yeah, looked at yeah. the, the venue so big. It seemed like you're playing outside. Um, yeah. You know, 35,000 people there. And, uh, but it was still like, it was an unbelievable experience. So, yeah, while we're still on the topic of uh, your playing career, um, do you have any memories, any stories of like, um, like pro players now that you played against or maybe even played with? Like, do you have any kind of, Funny input or stories on that? Yeah, I mean, just, you know, obviously I had, was fortunate enough to work with uh, Kemba. Right. A great person, just a great human being. And it was cool. Um, at the time I came to the Celtics, I had played against Kemba Walker. I had played against Brad Wanamaker. Mm-hmm. I was in the same Final Four as Gordon Hayward. And wow. so, like, you know, there was, it was just crazy how, you know, things work out. And so it was cool going back and forth, um, just talking about our, our college days and, and whether we played against each other or played you know, the same teams, that, that was fun. And, you know, obviously Brad Wanamaker going to Pitt. Uh, we had a gr- great rivalry, you know, for the two, three years we were in college together. So that was a cool experience, just kind of, you know, reliving some of those days. So, like, in practice, would you, uh, like, talk with – like, not talk with Kemba, but would you coach, like, with him? Or, like, do you have, like, a set amount of players that you coach in practice? Or no, like... just, like, you just kind of, you know, a little bit of everybody. Everybody does right. a little bit of everything, you know, so it wasn't so much specific as that as it was just kind of, you know, being there for, for the workouts, for the scouting and, and stuff like that. Yeah, that's pretty cool how they remember, like, all those kind of experiences. Because I've been looking up, yeah, like, yeah. Uh, your highlights, you know, see, so kind of get, you know, a sense of, like I said, I wasn't able to, you know, mm-hmm. f- experience those full games. But um, yeah. I saw pictures of you going up against, like, Steph Curry. And you guys played, like, Davidson. That was pretty cool. Like, um, like Kentucky, like John Wall, DeMarcus Cousins. Um, it's kind of cool how to, you know, where to see where these guys are at now and like where you're at now with the Celtics. So that must be, like, so eye-opening to you but yeah, just, um, you know the game of basketball just gives you so many opportunities you know yeah. so you gotta you gotta realize like when you're getting into basketball it's not just about the sport itself it's about the opportunities that it gives culture you. yeah you know to just travel the world and like meet the people that we meet like there's a lot that our family has been able to do just because of basketball and you know that's the cool part to it so you always try to give back and to the game and give back to the relationships and usually they come 
they come back full circle. So a lot of the people that you meet when you're playing or, you know, you're going to come back and meet them again. Like you said, you know, the people, when it was Kemba, Brad, Gordon, uh, even Coach Stevens was the coach at Butler and we were in the final four. So he was obviously paying attention to us a little bit in scouting. And, um, you know, so many relationships that I've seen now that I've gotten into coaching have come back full circle. And that's kind of really what it's about. It sounds like a true blessing. Like that'd be so crazy for me. I mean, obviously, you know, if I would have reached that, you know, in my playing career, but from in 2011, after you finished with uh, West Virginia, you know, you were undrafted uh, right after the draft. Did you like, do you know, you knew right away that you wanted to go right into coaching or did you decide to like kind of train back and think, all right, I'm going to try to, you know, give it another shot or where did you go from yeah, there? Yeah. I mean, I kind of, it was like, you know, something that I now is more about your identity. So when right. I graduated, it was kind of like, you know, I was an okay player. I could have played somewhere overseas. There's a lot of opportunity, but it was, it was more of a short-term answer. And, you know, so I tried it for like a couple months in training and waiting for a contract. I, I you know, hired an agent and, you know, I, during that process, I kind of realized that I didn't really want to play professional anymore. I didn't want to do what it takes. I didn't want to, um, you know, train as long as it needed to. I didn't want to hold, you know, diet and all that stuff. Yeah. So it kind of answered itself, like in that time of waiting for a contract, it was more of like, you know, what is my long-term goals here? What, where do I see myself five, 10 years from now? I just didn't see myself playing. And, you know, I definitely wanted to stay around the game. And, you know, I was just fortunate to be around great coaches like Coach Gomes, uh, my dad, Coach Beeline, uh, Coach Huggins. And, you know, it just was kind of in, in me to be like, you know, how can I give back to the game? How can I help people, you know, have the experiences that I had as a player? And coaching was where I saw myself. And so it was a great opportunity for me to just start early. And I was very fortunate enough to get in to coaching at 22 years old. And, you know, it's obviously my purpose and, and a lot of my identity. And, and it's been great. I know. Like, yeah, like I said, it's it was probably, you know, after those couple months training and everything, it was definitely an easy decision for you, you know, to stay around the game and never, you know, obviously you didn't lose your passion for playing, but, you you know, you gained another passion in coaching, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. Talking about your dad, because um, I was grateful enough to have him for seven great years as a coach. You know, may he rest in peace. It was um, that was truly a blessing because um, he's he's really been the foundation for where I am right now. You know what I mean? What I have a passion for is basketball, talking sports, talking any, you know what I mean? Anything that has to do with sports, basketball, yeah. you know, teaching the, the youth, anything like that, you know, staying around the culture. But so you started at Glenville at Glenville stays an assistant right in 2011 in 2013, um, an assistant at Fairmont. When you started as an assistant, did you see um, any of like the young players? Like, did you see yourself in any of the, those young players when you started to coach? Yeah. I mean, you definitely look at the game differently and, and, you know, obviously, um, your patience changes, right? Um, you know, your expectations change. Um, I felt like there were strengths and weaknesses to starting so early. You know, I was mm -hmm. able to relate to the players, um, you know, and kind of, you know, understood where they were coming from. And I realized what communication worked and what didn't, because I just asked myself, like, would I do that as a player? But, you know, I think the weakness of it was, um, you know, you tend to kind of think you know it all because you've just got done playing. And, right. You know, as, as important as basketball IQ is as a player, it's so much different as a coach. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when I first got into it, like my identity was in, like, I wanted to be like hugs. I wanted to, you know, coach the way he coached and I wanted to hold people accountable the way he did. And, you know, you think that everybody should be coached the way you were coached. Um, and as you get older, you kind of, everybody thinks you're better than what you really were. And so yeah. 
you know, after my first year of coaching, I really had to take a step back and, you know, figure out how I, who I wanted to be as Joe Mazzullo, the coach. And, you know, I wasn't going to be Bob Huggins. I wasn't going to be Beeline or Coach Gomes. Like that. I had to be myself. And at the same time, you know, you have to learn how to treat people differently and, um, you know, how to hold people accountable differently and how to lead people differently. So it was a great learning experience. And, you know, just each and every year, you just, you, you get a little bit older, you get a little bit wiser, you, you get more experience and you're able to just kind of grow and learn from it. Who was uh, your biggest influence for uh, coaching? Yeah, I mean, I think it, it really starts with the people that I played for. Like, even my AAU coaches, you know, for the Breakers and BAC and just the people that I've been around, like every single coach I had invested in me, cared, like knew the game of basketball, was a good teacher. Like I never played for a bad coach. And so I was very fortunate in that. And there's a long list of them. So it really started with them because like, you know, I wanted to give kids the same opportunity that I had. Like, I feel like if anyone has, has a good coach around them, they can achieve what they want, you know? And so that's what I wanted to be. And then as you got into coaching, you know, it was always like, I always wanted to learn from different people. So in my first couple of years, it was just like, learn from everybody. Don't try to be them, but take one thing from each person you know, that you can learn. And so, you know, there's a coach at Baylor who's an assistant right now. Like he's one of the most humble coaches I know. And um, you know, he's a great teacher. And like, you know, Doc Rivers has great ATOs and Steve Kerr is great at coaching the mental side of the game. And Brad Stevens has great X's and O's. So it was more about just like expanding your knowledge of mm -hmm. learning and then not trying to take too much and just take a couple things from each person that you can mold into your own. Yeah, like, of course, uh, it starts, you know, with your dad, Coach Dan, you know what I mean? Like, right from birth, yeah. right from training with him, it comes right from that. And that's awesome um, to see how many people, other people um, like him have influenced you, you know, through your whole journey. You know, my dad, obviously, like, right. I think he was just naturally a coach, just as a person. Oh, yeah. And, you know, either, whether it was, a, he was having the same conversations with me as he was having with you, as he was having with his coworkers, as he was having with his friends, like, it all tailored around like work ethic, mindset, um, doing the right thing and like accountability. And, you know, so the, I think the biggest thing I learned from him was like, there's no separation. If you're a coach in basketball, you're coaching your kids, you're coaching your home, you're coaching your work. Like it's all the same and you gotta be the same person um, in all of that. And, and you gotta learn how to, you know, manage and get to know people and build relationships. So like, like right. you said, he's like the true foundation of it. Exactly. At the end of the day, you gotta, what you learn, you got to teach to somebody else. You know what I mean? That's how the yeah. world works. But so three years later, after that, you were an assistant for the Celtics G League team. Did you know, uh, did you see like a, a transition in play, like a difference in the play style uh, from college, obviously going now to like semi-pro? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely a different game. Right. Just obviously the rules itself, mm -hmm. the way it's taught, uh, the way people are developed, um, you know, the roles that people have are differently. And a lot of time in the G League or even the NBA, you're getting guys you're having them do things or fill a role that they didn't have to fill at their previous spot, whether it was high school, college, or G League. So, you know, it's teaching guys uh, the game, teaching them their identity, teaching them how they can be successful on the floor. And so it was, it was a much different game. But from day one, um, I knew I wanted to coach professional. Um, you know, I think it takes, you know, to me, a professional coach is one of the most well-rounded um, you know, leaders. And because it's one of the only professional coaching is like one of the only businesses where the head coach slash boss slash leader makes less than all the employees. Mm -hmm. And to me, like that was 
eye-opening because like you really have to know how to lead you have to know how to manage you have to know how to communicate because all your employees make more than you and you can't lead by fear or you can't lead by uh, manipulation you can't do some of the things in other areas where that type of leadership is acceptable or is you know successful and so it really tests your ability to do those things and like that to me was one of the coolest parts about being in professional basketball is how can I develop as a leader and a, and a man, uh, manager of people, a manager of, of opportunity? And I think the second piece was like, there's a niche for these guys on building relationships. You know, I think professional players, no matter what sport, get the wrong impression. People have the wrong impression of them because they only see one side. And at the end of the day, like building relationships and developing relationships with these guys is some of the, is one of the most important jobs that you can have. Right. And yeah. there's a, there's a need for that. And so many people think, oh, you can't reach them. And it's the exact opposite. Like they're one of the best things about these guys is they want to be coached. They want to be led. They want to be held accountable, but you got to know what you're doing. You know, you get, you have to be competent. You have to be secure in who you are as a person to be able to do that. So those are the two biggest areas, uh, what drew me to the professional game. And, you know, I knew, I knew I wanted to do that uh, as soon as I got into coaching. So, like I said, going back down to college uh, at the college level from the G League, was that an easy decision for you? Or did you think you wanted to stick with the G League and, you know, work your way up to the pros from there? I mean, it was, it was, I knew I had to do it, but I was scared to do it. Like, yeah. because, you know, once you're in the G League, once you're in, you don't want to leave, um, you know, but, you know, faith and uh, doing what, you know, what God wants us to do has always been at the forefront for our family. So I felt like that was the best move for my family and my career. And if it meant, relinquishing the opportunity to get back into the pros and, and it was what it was. But so from that department, I was scared, but I really was excited to be a head coach and I was excited to take everything that I had learned at that point. I had been an assistant in division two for four or five years and then an assistant in the G league. So I was able to see both the college and the professional game. And, um, you know, I, I wanted to mirror the two as a head coach. I didn't want to be a college coach. I didn't want to be a pro coach. I wanted to be somebody that could just mirror that um, blend those two together and just create a, uh, an environment of development, of relationship, of, of learning and, and getting better at basketball. Right. Like you said, like your own, your own coach, you can't be like yeah. somebody else. Like you want to be your own person. And obviously, you know, that showed going into your uh, first or your second year, um, leading them Fairmont to a 22 and nine record um, in 2019. But at the beginning of that season, you uh, faced your brother, Justin, and, um, in an exhibition match against George Washington. What was that like going up against him, playing in front of your dad and um, just being in that kind of culture in that arena? Yeah, it was cool. I mean, it was great. You know, yeah. it was just awesome. I'm grateful that, you know, George Washington and Coach Christian were able to put that together. And it was just like, it, it's hard because you have so much going on. You're preparing for a game. You're, you know, it was a huge alumni base for us at Fairmont, uh, just being, you know, two, three hours away. So it was a lot you know, he got caught up in a lot, but it was a special moment where, you know, Justin was checking in the game and I was standing right there. And, uh, yeah. you know, that was pretty cool. And then, you know, having my dad there, I, my whole family, like everybody was there. Right, so it was yeah, a yeah. cool moment um, to be able to share in that, you know, we lost. And um, was that my first year or my second year? I don't remember. Your second year, yeah. My second year? Yep. Yeah. Um, you know, so that, that was just an awesome experience. How was your mindset during the season after that game? Uh, it, was, it was the same. I mean, we started 0-2, so I mean, yeah. we weren't really doing that good of a job. Right. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it was the same. I mean, I think you – the hardest part in coaching is, like, not making it about you, right? So as much as that game had 
the storylines of me, my dad, and my brother, like it was more about our players and mm -hmm. the opportunity they had to, you know, play in a D1 environment and, you know, the opportunity we had to build our brand as a school and um, as a basketball program. So there's so many different storylines and you have to cherish those moments, but you also can't make it about you. So, you know, immediately after the game, you move on to the next one. I think we had gone to a tournament in um, Missouri after that, maybe, mm -hmm. um, you know, which we didn't start the season well. We started 0-2 and, and um, you know, so my mindset just tries to stay the same all the time, you know, to not get too high or too low, to just focus on what's most important and, you know, execute. And then obviously, you know, coming down to the present now, you're an assistant with the Celtics. Um, after a great, you know, tremendous run in the summer league, four and zero. What was that like? How was that summer league? You know, your first summer league, being a head coach, you know, four and zero. That's still, you know, a great, great start to, you know, becoming something even bigger than what it is now. So yeah, it was just like, you know, it was cool. Um, it was good timing. Uh, I had come off the interview uh, for the job, and you know, whether I was getting it or not, it was it was an opportunity uh, to get organized. It was an opportunity to uh, showcase you know, what I thought was important as a coach and how you can make an organization better. And from the interview comes the opportunity to coach summer leagues. And now you're able to, you know, put into life some of the things that you had put on paper or some of the ideas that you had, um, you know, talked about as well as putting together what, you know, E-Make wanted as a coach. And that was really fun. And the coolest part about summer league was like, I had knew all the guys. So I had been with them for two years. Um, we had worked out together and just seen them grow and, you know, summer league is an opportunity for guys to, you know, just, you know, become the guy and work on things that they may not have an opportunity to during the season or just, you know, find their identity and build a better mindset. So, like, it was just cool uh, from all those avenues as far as making the interview come to life, uh, taking everything I learned as a head coach the first time around, applying it to this three-week window, um, and then really investing in these guys and just helping them become better. Uh, so it was an awesome summer. And I was grateful for the opportunity. I know you coached a lot with um, Carson Edwards, Romeo Langford, and like a uh, player like Taco Fall. I know Taco Fall and um, Carson Edwards aren't with you guys anymore. Um, but what, is, what was it like uh, spending most of your time when you first started with them? I mean, it's just, it's what I said earlier. Like, there's not much difference between levels, you know, whether right. you're in college or whether you're in the NBA, or whether you're in high school, it's, you know, do you know you who you are as a player? Do you know what it takes to be successful as a as a teammate, as an individual? And you know, where can you find competitive advantages for these guys and help them? So it's I I enjoy working with young players that are coming into the game because you know they're trying to find out who they are. They're trying to find out how they can stick, and and there's challenges to that. There's opportunities to that. And um, you know, the great thing is all those guys that you mentioned are great people. You know, they want to be coached. They want to be led and it makes our job easier, but it is, it's, it's a fulfillment that I, when I came to the NBA, I wanted to prove to people that, you know, these guys get a bad rep and they're actually great people. And, you know, they're fighting, you know, to achieve their dream and any way that I could help them get to that point, I'm willing to serve them and do. And um, that's been the best part. Yeah. I mean, it sucks to see guys that you truly, you know, are attached to as players and as people, you know, go and leave. Cause you know, at the end of the day, it's always, it's a business, but. Going back to the start of your Celtics career, how did that job opportunity come to you? And uh, what was it like to hear from an NBA team? And what was the kind of offer that they gave you? Yeah, so it um, goes back to what we talked about, like just the game coming full circle and relationships coming full circle. You know, Brad was a coach in the Final Four. Um, and one of their players 
uh, on that team is a coach that I became uh, friends with. You know, he was a college coach at Northern Kentucky for a little while, and we were recruiting the same area, so we'd always run into each other. We build a relationship. He gets into the G League, and he helps me from there. And so, like, it literally came because of a relationship that struck because of being in the same place as somebody um, 15 years ago or whatever it was. So that was really cool. That and I was grateful that he gave back. And then, you know, once I got to Maine. I, you know, I left my wife and two kids uh, back in West Virginia and I kind of went by myself and it was just like a six month. I looked at it as a six month interview. Like you only got one chance. You're investing in yourself. Uh, your wife and kids are giving you this opportunity. You know, you got to bet on yourself. And fortunately, um, you know, they were paying attention. And um, once I left and got head coaching experience, you know, the, the subjects came back and, and called and I was just grateful that they gave me that opportunity in Maine. You know, because like I said, that was kind of like my interview for that. And, um, you know, when they called, I was actually kind of scared to leave. Like when I became a head coach, I had like this 10 year plan. Like I, I don't really like um, I didn't want to be in Division One. Like I didn't really care where I coached. I just wanted to be somewhere uh, where I could make a difference and where there was alignment between like the community, school, my family. So Fairmont was like, I thought I was going to be there for 10 years and never thought I'd leave after two. And you know, I would have had a different mindset and I would have approached things differently if I was trying to get out of there quick. So when I first got there, I was more just planting seeds, you know, taking my time, trying to invest in as many things as I could because, you know, I thought I was going to be there forever. And um, when the Celtics called a year and a half later, I was like taken back. And um, as much as I knew I needed to go, I, I kind of didn't want to because I didn't want to leave uh, any unfinished business. Um, but you kind of, you learn about those things and, and you know, you're not going to be able to, you're not going to achieve everything you want to achieve. Uh, you're not going to, you know, be able to control everything. But if you could just leave the place better than you found it, if you can, you know, they ended up winning the championship the year after. So um, I was able to, I felt like I left it in a better place. And that's really all you can do. Like you said, full circle, it comes right back around to you. Um, yeah. They were definitely looking at you again from Fairmont. So, you know. Like you said, full circle. That's that's awesome to hear. Getting a chance to work with all this young talent. Did any of these players now uh, remind you of yourself um, and stand out in your perspective uh, to like the worth ethic you went through and all that kind of stuff playing back in West Virginia? They're all better no? than I was. They all work harder than I did. It's not even close. <laughs> really? Wow. Yeah. You know, like, yeah, uh, people don't realize like, how hard these guys actually work. You know. Right. Um, yeah, they don't. They don't. They, people have no idea. You know, these guys give up, you know, they make a lot of money, but, you know, I always say like the brain doesn't know how much money you make. So like if I paid you $10 million tomorrow, you complain about something a week later, like the brain doesn't know, care about that stuff. So, you know, the, the things that these guys go through and, and the way that they work and, and how hard they work, it's night and day. That's why there's only 400 players in the NBA, like exactly that, that worth that they, like they, people don't realize like it's a job, like it's your full-time yeah. job. You have to, you have to put in that work in order to get paid because if you don't, the next day you could be cut and yeah, and everybody's coming for you. You know, as soon exactly. as you get the job, you now have a target on your back. And not only are you competing with the other, you know, how many there are in the league, but there's ten thousand people that want your job. And so, you know, you and it's not like and it's not like people are in the gym from you know seven a.m. to nine p.m. Like it's not like that, but just the, it's it's a different mindset. It becomes someone's craft. It becomes someone's job and the mental approach that they take towards it. You know, these guys don't get enough credit for how hard they work um, and what they give for it. You know, the money's cool, 
but they give up their lives. They give up these are these are this is a dream. And um, you know, it's just cool to be a part of that. It's a blessing to be a part of that. Hopefully one day I can be, you know, part of something like that. Like, you know, coaching wise, uh broadcasting wise, anything that's my dream to work with an NBA franchise in any kind of way I can. But like I said, going back to um like the individual work with the players, like the style of practice is like do you guys work in like individual groups? Like, like I said, like three players at a time or something like that, or like you, ha you have a set amount of players that you watch and like, you know, take notes on and take uh, film on, or is yeah. it just like kind of open to everybody? Um, it, it varies, you know, like during mm -hmm. the summer, it's more one, one, on a, one, on a, or one and a couple coaches because you're trying to work on things uh, that they may not have had a chance to work on during the season. You know, once the season starts, like in preseason, it's a lot of group work, two, three guys at a time, just working on different concepts. Uh, you know, during the season, it's more maintenance, you know, because of, you know, the, the schedule and the load management. So, you know, there's a time for five on five and, and some of it is one on oh. So it just kind of depends on the time of year. It's a little bit of everything. Um, you know, you work with you, you, you tend to gravitate towards certain people just based on the relationships that you build with them. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, like I said, it just goes back to whatever it is that they need at that particular time. That's that's kind of what you're working on. Like going back to a player like Campbell Walker. Uh, what was it like uh, coaching him? Did you think that you played a, a good, a great part in his style of play and um, his work ethic and his, you know, mentality? Yeah, I mean, coaches are, I didn't really have to coach him. He's a guy who's been in the NBA for 10 years. Of course. And he knows the game. Uh, he knows what he needs. He knows who he is. And really, like I said, it just goes back to that relationship piece. You know, everybody needs something different. And everyone needs just like a little little something to help them get to where they want to go. You know, the great players, they, they know what they need and what they need to do. They just need good people around them to help facilitate that, you know, and I think that's what coaching is. It's not making it about you. It's not trying to be a hero. It's not trying to reinvent the game. It's just like, you know, what way can I serve this guy? And, you know, what need can I help fulfill that will help him get him to where he wants to go? And that looks different for everybody. And that's kind of what I learned my first couple of years of coaching is like coaching for each person looks different. Every person is going to need something different to help them get to where they want to go, and it's our job as as coaches to recognize that and then like help that help grow that. Um, right, and that that's a cool part of it. When he first came, did you guys talk a lot about uh, your playing days, like uh, from UConn and West Virginia and going, battling up against? Yeah, we, we, a little bit. You know, yeah. he got the best of us one time I got the best of him one time he clearly got the best of the career and right uh, but you know we it, we joke about it like I said like yeah. there was it was Brad was there Wanamaker and and so you know we were always having just fun you know conversations about about the good old days that's awesome that's so eye-opening like it's it's so cool how you've been working with all these guys so me I'm a Knicks fan personally I'm a huge Knicks fan uh I know you got to work with obviously Kemba and Evan Fournier what do you think that uh they can bring to the table for the Knicks in this upcoming season, I'm not even going down that road. I'm not even. Going down. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! So yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. But Joe, like I said, I appreciate you so much coming on. It is like a, it's a true blessing just to talk to you and pick your mind about your playing days, coaching days. Do you have anything else to say before we wrap it up? No, just appreciate being on, and and um, you know we're, we're all we're always can't forget where we come from. So you know I know where you're starting at, and you know everybody. Um, has been in the position that you're in and and it just takes takes faith it takes trust it takes patience you gotta bet on yourself and um, I always respect people who are just trying to make it and when they go about it the right way and they're good people it usually works out so you know good luck and um, 
you know, I appreciate you mentioning my dad and, and I'm glad that he was able to have the impact on you that, that you said he did. And that was his goal. And, and that was, uh, that was kind of his purpose. So appreciate that. And, um, you know, good luck in, uh, you know, in, in pursuing your dreams and what you want. I appreciate it, man. Yeah. Like I said, without him, I wouldn't be in the position I am today. There's no, no doubting that again, like I said, thank you very much for coming on and hopefully you can tune in. I, I have all my social media links up uh, this Saturday coming um okay cool i'll definitely be in touch joy thank you thank you very much again i appreciate it have a good day you too so i hope you guys enjoyed that episode my very first episode at cam's corner i I know i was a little nervous i know i could have definitely asked uh, a couple more questions elaborate on more things that's what you guys are for you guys are there to uh give your input tell me what i could do to improve tell me what i could do to add more to the show to make it even better i did want to talk about uh more about coach dan um, what role he played in my life to where I am now. I know I said that he's really the foundation of where I am today and what passions I have. He was more like a best friend to me, my teammates, my coworkers. My coworkers really were my teammates because he gave us all jobs when we were really young. He got us starting early at the Johnson Rec Center and, you know, the rest is history. It goes back to basketball. Basketball is how it started. Trying out in seventh grade, not really knowing what it was all about, but if I didn't give it my best, then... I just gave up. I would not be in this position, like I said. So rest in peace to Coach Dan. I appreciate everything that you've done for me. I appreciate all the opportunities that you're giving me now. I know you're definitely looking down on us. Yeah, that pretty much wraps up everything, guys. Like I said, I'm very appreciative that you guys could all tune in to this first week's episode. Please stay tuned. Hit up all those social media links, like I said. At Cam's One Corner, Instagram, Spotify, TikTok, Twitter, on YouTube, Cam's Corner, and www.camscorner.net for all the latest Cam's Corner content. Guys, I'll see you in the next episode. Again, thank you for tuning in.